Hi, I'm Pastor Chris with Pure Church in Fort Pierce, Florida. We're so excited for you to join us for our family series called My House, where pastors Nick and Misty discuss the foundations of a family in Christ. They discuss marriage, children, vision, and much more. Hope you all enjoy the series. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing between soul and spirit, joint and marrow. And it judges the innermost intentions and thoughts of our hearts, God. Father, I thank you that your word will cut out things that should not be there. And it will put things in us that you desire to be in us, Lord God. Father, we thank you that your word is powerful in the ability to transform us into a new person. And Father, we thank you today as we teach your word that the Holy Spirit confirms the word and brings revelation to the word and backs up the word with signs and wonders following. I thank you, Father, for the power in your word today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. Well, open your Bibles. Today we're going to be talking about respect and honor in the home. Right, babe? Yes. And, you know, we're on parenting, so it's all about honor and respect. So we have to teach our kids how to do this, but we have to model it as well. And if you don't have children, don't worry, because this is for you, too. Yes. Loaded. It's loaded today. So open your Bibles to the book of Genesis. We're going back to the beginning. And I want to read a couple of passages here. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 24, out of the New Living Translation, and I know most of you know this, but it's good to hear it again, right? Say this, say, faith comes, faith comes by, hearing, by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You know, if you will just put yourself in a position where when you're reading the Scripture, pretend like you're reading it for the first time. Because if you come to the Word with a preconceived idea saying, I already know what's in here, you're going to miss it. Yes. Right? God can't tell you anything new because you think you already know it. And you have to make it personal. It has to be, this book is written for me. You know, when you can get that in your spirit, like, hey, this is written just for me, then you, when you read it, you're reading it like, okay, what can I get out of it? You know, and the Word is alive. Jesus is alive and His Word is alive. So God can take the same passage of Scripture in a different season of your life and tell you something totally different, right? And He knows the season that you're in. You know, let, let me say this too as we're getting into this. If you're looking for counsel from us, the best place to get counsel is to sit in the service. Because when we're sitting in our office and we're operating under the anointing, the Holy Spirit actually gets us to say things that you need to hear. People come up to us after the service and say, you were in my living room. You were in our conversation. And God knows how to confirm things, right? We know what it is to be led by the Spirit. We're not program-directed. We're Spirit-led. And that means that the Holy Spirit will unction us to say things that we would never normally say. Why? Because it's not a prepared speech. It's a flow with God. Got it? So you're sitting here today to receive the things that you need to hear for where you are. And God is going to speak to you in the service today. Can you say amen? amen. Put your hand on your heart and say, Lord, speak to me. Show me the things that I need to see. Let me hear the things I need to hear. And I ask you for wisdom today. In Jesus' name. So in the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 24, Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, small animals, each able to produce offspring after its, after its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make human beings, say that's me, in our image, to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in His own image. Say, I'm made in the image of God. I'm made in, the image of God. in the image of God, He created them male and female. 
Do we have any males in the house? Do we have any females in the house? There is a clear difference between the male species and the female species. Proof right there. So in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says how God, you know, this is a story of creation. And this is how God made man, right? Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. So God created you from two realms. He created your physical body from the earth realm, but then he put his spirit in you, which is spirit, which connects to the spirit realm. And God's intention for mankind, made in His image, was to rule and to reign. Look at the person next to you and say, you were created, you were created to, rule to rule and to reign, and to reign in, this life. in this life. God didn't call you to survive. God didn't call you to struggle. God called you to rule and reign over His creation. Mm. So if you go on further to verse 18, it says... 2 verse 18, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all of the wild animals, the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. The man chose a name for each one. He gave names to the livestock, to the birds, to the wild animals, but there was still no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of his ribs, closed up the opening, and the Lord God made a woman from the rib and brought her to the man. At last the man exclaimed, this is bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh, she will be called woman, because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to the wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. So here in the Bible, we can clearly see that God has created two sexes, two genders, right? And what God did, even as God separated day from night, right? In the book of Genesis chapter 1, He separated the land from the sea, from the waters. He separated the earth from the sky. He brought clear division in his creation. And when God created man, he separated woman from man to create two very distinct but separate species of human being. Can you say amen? amen. And so there's clear characteristics of what a man is and what a woman is, right? And so we can see that in the Bible that there should be a difference between men and woman, right? We're not supposed to be the same. But what's great is that when you find your spouse, when you find the one that God has for you, the image of man and the image of woman, the two becoming one, we get to see a complete image of who God created us to be. And there is power when there's a man and a woman that are in covenant with God, know who God is, and work together in, in unity. Amen? Amen? And that's what we want to see. We want to see men of God and women of God that know who they are. That in their households, they represent the image of God to their children. Can you say amen? As a father, I can represent to my sons what a father should be. As a, as, as a husband, I can represent to my, my wife and to my children what a husband needs to look like. So that when my daughter gets married, she knows the right image she's looking for in a man. Amen. That my, my son, when he gets married, he knows the right image he's looking for in a woman. Because when, when man fell, the image of who we were created to be was broken. And if you started reading this book, Engendered, it's a really, really good book. And um, Patsy talks about how when the fall came... The, the, the mirror was broken. So just like you look at yourself in a mirror and you see a complete image, when you look at a broken image, when you look at a broken woman, you don't see what you're supposed to see. 
you see something that's deformed, right? So when God created man in His image, He was perfect, right? And you know what? We serve a perfect God. And when we, when we come into relationship with our Father, when we get Christ on the inside of us, when we get baptized into Christ, and when the Holy Ghost comes to live on the inside of us, we become recreated. And the old man is dead, and there's a brand new man living on the inside of you. Can you say amen? And that's how God begins to transform you into a new person. So as a man, if you, if you don't know God, and you're not filled with the Spirit of God, it's very hard for you to change and become something new. Can you say amen? amen? Because the Holy Spirit, according to the book of Galatians, when He moves on the inside of you, He brings fruits. Say the fruits of the Spirit. See, that is the ability for you to now operate in the Spirit instead of operating in the flesh. The fruits of the Spirit, does anybody know them? Nine fingers in the air, let's go. Love. Joy, peace, kindness, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Look at the person next to you say self-control. And so those attributes come when God moves on the inside of you. And because they're part of God's makeup, they start coming naturally to you. If you have the Spirit of God in you, that becomes easy. It's not something that you have to try and be kind. You don't have to try and love. You don't have to try and be faithful. This is the strength and the grace of God that moves in you to be those things without trying to do it in the flesh. Can you say amen? Amen. So I want to read a little bit here um, from this book because there's some really good points that she's made in here. Another thing that I want to say is that when you read the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, and it talks about the fall of man, when the woman ate of the fruit, nothing happened. It wasn't until the man ate of that fruit. Right? And what men, what we need to understand is that we're accountable to God for our families. And we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account. Can you say amen? And as men, we have a responsibility to cover our wives. As men, we have a responsibility to protect the home and the family, right? As men, God has called us to carry the weight of certain things that the woman shouldn't have to carry, amen? God has called us to provide, and with His grace, we can be all of those things. And I remember when we started having children, and you know we were working and that, as, as Pastor Mike was saying, when you first get married and you have kids, it's hard. It's a struggle. You're young. You, you, don't, you, you don't have jobs where you're earning good money yet. You're starting a new family. You're figuring things out. You're trying to discover who you are. You're trying to figure out how to work together. You know, you grew up in a world system, so credit cards are normal. Getting married, you can put the money on the credit card for your wedding, so you start in debt. All these crazy things, right? And so in the beginning, I, I, I had to break in, to the point where... I realized that I couldn't provide for my family without God's help. And I surrendered myself to my heavenly Father and to the, to the God who provides. And I had to trust God to help me become a provider to our home. And part of that struggle was learning how to work with my wife and not try to do it by myself. Are you listening to me? Because when you're the man and you grow up in the world, you're like, you're the provider. you got to do this. you got to do that. That's a lot of pressure without God. Right? And what, what God showed me was that if you're trying to do it by yourself, it's not going to work. You have to learn to work with your spouse, the one that I gave you, because she's got parts that you need to see prosperity come to your home. Working together in unity instead of you trying to be the man, doing it by yourself. Amen? And so in chapter 9 of this book, the title is The Creator's Intention for Man. And it says, in a unique way, man was created to reflect or image the Father and the Son. After all, we cannot see the Father. He is a spirit. 
The Son is in heaven. Jesus was only on earth in his physical body for 33 years until his ascension. Yet we can see man. Through observing a man as a father or as a husband or simply as a man, the Creator meant for the characteristics of the Father and the Son to be displayed in His image. By watching a man in the role of a father, it should have been possible to see what a loving, just, fair, and patient father essentially looks like and what these characteristics sound like. By interacting with a husband, we were to be able to experience kindness, faithfulness, and the presence of one who will never leave or forsake. And that's huge. God intended that these characteristics be reflected and modeled to be made flesh and dwell among us through men, husbands, and fathers. Though we cannot see God, it was God's intention that by interacting with a man and observing a father or a husband, it would be possible to know what God is like. And so it goes on, I'm skipping something. It says, God made man in his own image, in his own likeness. And the Bible said that he crowned man, male and female, with glory and honor. But in a unique and particular way, the Bible very plainly says that man is the glory of God. A man, his sex, his gender was uniquely designed to bring glory to God. Then it goes on to say that the devil hated this because the devil wanted his glo this glory for himself. And, and she says that the devil had to watch man replicate the glory of God into children and generationally. That's powerful. Right? So the devil came to destroy that image and break that image. Um, on the next page it says, God meant for sons and daughters to look at their dad and see how God the Father looks, and come to know God naturally through that relationship. Look at somebody and say, naturally. naturally. You see, if what, what my wife was saying is, if, if you're really modeling a man in Christ, or a woman in Christ, it's easy for your kids to get, because they, they see it naturally in the relationship. It's not something that you have to force them to do. Come on, we're going to church on Sunday. You have to read your Bible. You have to go to youth. No, those are like commands to do things that I don't see you doing. Mm. So you're making me do stuff out of command to get to know God. But in essence, it should be something that you get from your parents through relationship and seeing them model it in the home. I actually want to read this Proverbs really quick while we're Go on ahead, that, babe. can I? Yeah. Um, I was reading because I was like, um, what we have to do is we have to teach our kids how to honor and respect and to respect authority. And you have to understand what that authority is. The first authority we have to learn to reverence and respect is, our, is God himself, is the Father, you know? And if we don't get that into us, then we can't get that into our kids. And if they can see you, hear a word from the Lord and obey it, and no matter what, we're going to put God first because we honor him, we respect him, and we under the, understand the authority that he carries and what the authority that he gives us because we serve him, because we're in covenant with him. You know, being in a covenant with somebody means that you have to do your part. It's a two-way street. So a lot of people want all the promises from God, and they want all these promises that God gives, but they're unwilling to do the command that he's required. And you have to be willing to say, most promises in the word comes with a command. And if you really want something to be broken through in your life, you need to decide, you need to look in the word and you say, what, Lord, what is the command that you're giving me? It's really important that if we want to teach our kids how to respect authority, we first have to model it for them. And we have to be in reverence to God. We have to respect God and we have to honor who he is. And when we start doing that, everything else falls into line. Amen? So in the very first proverb, I think it's really interesting um, that it, teach, it, it lays the foundation first of what proverb is. Proverbs is the book where you can draw wisdom and discipline. Yes. If you need wisdom, you need to be reading the book of Proverbs. Yeah. You want to get wisdom into your kids, you need to be reading the book of Proverbs with them. Yeah. Because that's what it's full of, wisdom and discipline. Yeah. Now... 
you have to be willing to do this stuff. But um, so it lays that foundation all the way up through verse 6 from Proverbs 1 through verse 6. But then the first thing that it says, this is, this is after it lays the foundations, it says, by exploring the meaning of these Proverbs and parables, the words of the wise and their riddles. Here's the first one. Here it goes. Fear, the Lord, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And then it goes straight into, my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instructions. What you learn from them will crown you with grace, and it will chain honor to your neck. So I think it's very interesting that it first tells you that you have to have the fear of the Lord. What is the fear of the Lord? What is the fear of the parent? How do you know that children respect and honor you and fear what you have to say? They obey. When you give them a command, they obey. Amen? So you as the parent and you as the head of the household, you have to decide, you know what? I'm going to connect with the Lord. I'm going to see what the word says about every situation in our lives. And I'm going to, the fear of the Lord, even if I want to do the temptation that I know I shouldn't do, I'm not going to do it because I know my heavenly father wouldn't want me to do that. And just like you do, you don't tell your children to do things that you know is going to harm them. You tell them to do the things that are right because you know it's going to bless them. That's what the Lord does. But we have to decide that we're going to put ourselves down. We're going to put the sinful nature down. We're going to obey God because the true fear of the Lord is to do what's right no matter the cost. You know, we can easily do what's wrong no matter the cost. But we don't want to do what's right because of the cost. Why is that? And then we get into, our, we get into a, a whole plan of destruction because wide is the road to destruction. Narrow is the path. And it's because there's a, there's a huge, huge road to choose all these things but God. But when you choose God and you choose righteousness and you choose to live this life, you're going to go down the road that's going to bless you, that's going to give you life, that's going to set you up, that's going to take you higher. Amen. Because I'm telling you right now, I'm a testimony that when you serve God, there's nowhere else to go but up. Come on, baby. The blessings that come. The wisdom that he gives you, when you walk in this wisdom, when you decide that you want to fear, your first priority is the fear of the Lord, and that's when you, where every decision you say, Lord, is this your way or my way? And you always choose his way, because you know that his way is going to bless you no matter what. Amen? And you have to be able to demonstrate that so that your kids can understand it. If you do not teach your kids to obey you, and respect you in the home and respect authority. That's all authority. They're teachers, everything. There's no excuse for a child. I don't care if the teacher said something that she wasn't supposed to. It doesn't matter. You need to respect her because she's your teacher. Now, me as the parent, I can go behind the scenes and say, hey, did you say that to my kid? I don't think that's really, really appropriate. But God forbid me undermine that teacher to my child. Because now that teacher loses her authority to teach your child what it needs to learn. Because now the, now the child thinks she's the teacher. That's not how it goes. You have to teach them to respect. I, if I speak to my husband in the wrong manner, I teach, my women, I teach my daughters that they can speak to their spouses and their husbands that way. If he talks to me in the wrong manner, then he teaches, he teaches our kids that this is okay. And that's not okay. You have to respect and honor each other in the home. You have to demonstrate that. And when your kids are testing you because they will... Yes, because you are the person that is training them up. Train up a child in the way they shall go, and they shall not depart from it, right? You, this is a training ground. A lot of times we're like, oh, why is my kid doing this? I'm like, honey, that's why you had children, because you're going to train them up, right? You have to train them to respect and honor authority. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Yes. Just so you know this. They're fallen nature. You don't have to teach them to lie, to yeah. hit, to steal, yeah. to connive. It's part of the nature that you have to get out of them. Yes, it didn't come from the friends in school. It didn't, you know, some of it too, your, your, their influence is everything. But a lot of it is in them that you have to help them overcome. Yeah. 
Correct. And you have to teach them to do this. So if they can learn to honor and obey and respect you as parents, guess what? When it's their turn to separate from you, they've watched you with your walk in the Lord. They've watched you have the fear of the Lord. Now, because they've, they've, they've understood exactly what Nick is saying, they understand you are the replicate of God to them. That's what you are. So when they're out from underneath your wing, they're like, I remember my parents taught me these principles. Now it's easy for me to get a word from the Lord and obey my heavenly father because I know what it was when I obeyed my earthly father. And he had nothing but goodness set up for me. Amen. You know, the very next verse there says in verse 10, Proverbs 1:10, My child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. So, you know, for if you want to fear the Lord, you need to separate yourself from living a sinful lifestyle. You cannot compromise with those things. And if kids see you compromising that stuff in the house, then they say, well, my mom and dad do it, so it's fine. Yeah, I actually want to, I brought this study Bible so I could read these notes because I thought it was so interesting. In this age of information, knowledge is plentiful, but wisdom is scarce. Come on now. Wisdom means far more than simply knowing a lot. It is basically the attitude that affects every aspect of your life. The foundation of knowledge is the fear of the Lord, to honor and respect God, to live in awe of his power and to obey his word. Faith in God should not be the controlling principle should be the controlling principle of your understanding of the world, your attitudes and your actions. That means the fear of the Lord, the faith in God is what should be controlling all your attitudes and all of your actions. Trust in God and he will make you truly wise. And then here it goes into the kids. Our actions speak louder than words. Come on, parents. This is what it's about. This is especially true in the home. Children learn values, morals, and priorities by observing how their parents act and react to every day. If parents exhibit a deep reverence, For the dependence on God, the children will watch these attitudes. Amen? So kids in the home, (laughs) kids in the home are watching you. And they're going to take what you do to the next level. Say, oh yeah. (laughs) They take it to the next level, baby. So uh, here we go. Let me read some more of this. Um, Children look to their fathers whom they can see and come to know a God whom they cannot see. So children will look to the mother in the same way, right? The daughters. Whoever the head of the household is. But can you recognize that the evil strategy of the devil was to degrade man so no one could look at him to know what God is truly like? For instance, instead of a child naturally understanding the love of God the Father, he or she may think that God is cruel or mean, or that he doesn't even exist. And um, we have a big impact in how our kids see God, how our grandkids see God. So they created a list of characteristics of what God is like, what are the characteristics of God, and what fallen man looks like. And I want to read these characteristics today, and you can see what represents God and what doesn't represent God. And if you find that some of these characteristics are evident in your life, you can find out some areas where you need to bring change. So excited, right? All the ladies are like, yes, bring it, pastor. Give it to my husband. And, you know, this is for the women, too, because you're also fallen. You know, because a lot of times we're like, you know, give it to him, Jesus. Let him receive it, you know. And, but you also have to be willing to do your part as women as well. Amen. And there's a whole, lo- there's a whole nother list for women. You know, girls are catty. You're not going to see boys being catty. Anyway. You want to fight? (laughs) So are we ready for the list? Yes. All right. So I'm going to read the first part of the list is the characteristics that man should portray. And then the second part is the one that they need to get rid of. Are you ready? Being faithful, unfaithful, humble or proud, Mm. 
submissive or arrogant, selfless or selfish, compassionate or critical. That's a good one. Compassionate or critical. Like if you don't want to help someone, you judge them. You're very critical. Well, they deserve it because of how they live. Instead of being compassionate to help someone, you say, well, you deserve it. Change your life. Wow. That kind of reminds me of, you know, the Good Samaritan. You know, religion and tradition will walk by somebody hurting. Moving on. Gentle or harsh, caring or unaffectionate, serving versus demanding. That's good, right? That's a good one. So instead of serving your family, you're demanding them to serve you. Being willing or stubborn. Come on, man, right now. Raise your hand in the air. Say, yep, I need to work on this one. (laughs) We are like the ox that will not move. Us men, we don't want to do stuff like, you know, the ladies are super creative. Let's do this. Like, no. (laughs) Stubborn. Wear a colorful shirt. Never. I'm going to pick your clothing for you. I'll kill you. Does that mean I'm going to get to pick your clothing? No. When I'm 95 and I can't dress myself. You're going to be so stylish. I'm going to be stylish in my 90s. I'm the king right now. What are you talking about? (laughs) You know, you know how when you see guys, they, they won't dress their age. So they dress like a teenager or you see a woman that doesn't dress her age. She dresses to try and be hip and young, and it looks so terrible. I hope that's not what I look like when I get put in my coffin and, you know. Anyway. You never know what's in style. Babe, we're going up in the rapture. I hope so. Yeah, so. That's how we're rolling. Misty and I decided from when we got married, we're dying together. Because she's, yeah, I know, it's like a dad joke. (laughs) we we decided that we were going to die together because I can't live without her and she can't live without me so I think she watched the notebook or something and And I was like that's us for (laughs) sure that's how we have to do that's how we have to go you know I want to experience heaven with him I don't want to experience it without him that's just how it is you know I can't imagine you spend 30, 40, 50 years with someone that you love and a part of you suddenly missing Because you start relying on the strengths of the person that you're with. And there's just, you know, a marriage union is so special, you know. And to lose someone like that that you love is very devastating. And it's it's probably, to my mind, like the the, the two worst things that a person can experience is one, losing a child. And secondly, losing your spouse. Those are probably the two hardest things that anybody ever has to face in their life. Unless the spouse is, you know, the other lust over here. (laughs) (laughs) Leela, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm free. (laughs) I'm free from that jerk. (laughs) Exactly. You know. Manny's dad joke. (laughs) Was it yours? Embrace your mistakes. Glad we can have fun in the midst of that heavy moment. We had to lighten that up a little, right? Yeah, we had to, baby. It was going deep. It was really going deep. Yeah. Being forgiving or bitter. Mm. Right? If you don't forgive someone, you become bitter with that person. Mm. You know, if you have, like, you start remembering all the things that they did to you, right? There's nothing worse. The Bible says in Corinthians, love keeps no record of wrong. Right? 
So if you're sitting there keeping record of the other person's wrongs, it's, it's creating bitterness on the inside of you. There's no unforgiveness. Um, being a good listener or being unaware? Checking out. Someone who communicates and someone who's closed. Men, come on, right? For men, it's hard to communicate. It's part of your fallen nature. I don't want to talk about it. Leave me alone. No, but we need a big... No. I don't want to talk about it. Well, can I put it on the calendar? When is it a good time? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. That's when what you would say. This is not a good time to talk about it. So when can I put it on the calendar so we can have a sit down and talk about it? <laughs> In the next week. <laughs> you know, it's just pushing me to talk about it right now. And I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Nick's notorious for not wanting to talk about anything. Only one on the list, though, babe. You're good. Keep going. <laughs> I'm supposed to be helping you. I'm having a marriage counseling session right here. I mean, you decided to read this. I mean... Look, I have become better. Much better. <laughs> like, when... Growing up in my household, you know, my dad being from Lebanon, having Arab roots... We don't talk about it. You know what I mean? You're gonna talk, we die, somebody's going to die if we're going to talk about it. There's going to be violence in the house. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you just don't talk about it. I'm the man I don't want to talk about. We're not talking about it. End of story. It doesn't work very well, though. No, not in today's culture. Being dependable or irresponsible. Someone who works in obedience to our Heavenly Father or somebody that's lazy. I said it a couple of weeks ago. No woman wants no lazy man. Amen. Right? Amen. Someone who's decisive or insecure. Someone who's available or detached. Someone who's meek or unteachable. Joyful or grumpy. Two of the seven dwarfs, I think. Someone who's consistent or temperamental. Someone who's friendly or cold. Someone who's true and honest or deceptive. Someone who's powerful or domineering. A provider or someone inconsiderate. A protector or someone who abandons. Being patient or impatient. Impartial and fair or partial. Someone who's correcting and has discipline, and someone who's abusive. Someone who's wise or brash. And that's a list of 30 characteristics. Yes, if we have any single women in the house, let me know. I will give you that list so you can uh, be believing God for the right kind of man. Amen? Amen. And so... And any single men in the house, don't you worry, I got your list too. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, you know, we, you know, it is Father's Day today, and we're kind of highlighting men today, but we're also talking about respect and, and honor in the home. And as Misty was saying, if I disrespect her in front of the kids, the kids are going to disrespect other women in public. If she disrespects me in the house, our kids are going to disrespect other men in public, authority in public. And you know, it's not a good thing when the cops pull you over and you're disrespectful with them. I listen to how some people talk to the police officers in these videos and stuff when they get pulled over, and then you know why they get shot. No, I'm serious, man. You don't talk to people. In, you don't fight with people in authority over you. You start resisting, and you become rebellious and all that kind of stuff, you know, and you're in for a world of trouble. You're going to get tasered. You're going to get arrested. I want to actually read a scripture of what they used to do back in the day before, before Jesus came to children that were rebellious. And you know, it's it, pretty harsh. Like, you think today, like, you know, we're harsh? No. Back in the day, they were harsh. Go ahead. Do you want to say something in between? Well, you're finding that? No, yeah. listen, seriously. Learn, learning to respect your authority is key. And that's something that we have to teach our kids in the home. 
And, and we work with children every day, and we see how kids disrespect their teachers, how they disrespect authority. And that is something that we have lost in this day and age. Yes. Right? And as parents, this is something that you need to step up and start doing in your household if you have young children. You're not your child's friend. As a parent, you're there to discipline them and teach them right from wrong without abusing them. You you hear what I'm saying? You're raising your children to honor and fear God, but you have to portray that lifestyle, right? Yes, amen. Tell us the story. This is what they used in Deuteronomy 21. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus, that he came, right? Because we would have all got stoned. Seriously. I know I had some roots of rebellion in me that I needed to get out, but this is what they used to do. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him and and he still will not listen to them, then the father and his mother shall take him and bring him out to the elders of the city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of the city, This, our son, is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a gluten and a drunkard. Then all of the men in the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from the midst of Israel. So they used to, if if kids were rebellious and stubborn and did that, they would stone them. Because they had to purge the evil out from among them. So giving your child a spanking in comparison to being stoned to death, I think it's a very light sentence. And maybe that's an option. Maybe that's an option. You you, you present to your child. You present uh, the book of Proverbs, spare not the rod, and then you give them Deuteronomy and you say stoned to death. Which would you prefer? <laughs> Which day and age would you like to live in? <laughs> yes. We go to jail for that stuff now, but yes. Um, and you know that's what I'm saying. In today's culture, they don't get any of that. So the least we can do is teach them to respect authority. And if they can learn to respect the authority in the home on how God intended it, the parents and the I mean, if the if you're married and you have both spouses, then the man needs to answer to the Lord. He is the covering over your house. So it's his relationship that determines the way your household goes. Because remember, it didn't change until Adam ate the apple. So if you're the man in the household, think things don't change in your home until you get on board. Come on. That's how it works. Now, if you ain't got no man, fine. you the head of the household. Things don't change until you get on board. And when you start answering to the Lord and you that God is your authoritative person and your children submit underneath you and once they find a good spouse and they leave then they leave their father and mother and they now answer to the Lord himself for their households and this is something that you want to teach your kids now through this principle and them understanding the authority and honoring the authority of the home and how that works they then go and they honor their bosses they honor their um, teachers at school they honor the law, they honor the government because it's what the word of God says to do. There's lines of authority that God has and you have to learn to respect them, but it starts with the fear of the Lord. For every single one of us in this room, it starts with us individually saying, I will fear the Lord more than my own temptations and all the stuff I want. I fear him enough to do what he wants me to do. Yeah. Amen? Amen? You know, even to the point fearing God is saying, that I will not compromise on what I believe and what God has told me to do in the face of government or anyone else telling me yes. that I need to break the law of God. Yeah. Because there is persecution for standing for righteousness. Right? So are you willing to stand and fear God in the midst of man saying, I'll kill you if you don't? I'll take whatever I've given, I'll take from you if you don't denounce God, or if you don't do as we say. If you don't believe what we believe. Right? And that's talking about fearing God above anything, putting God's word first in your life, and living to serve Him. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Yes. 
And there is room for improvement in every single person's home. Can you say amen? Amen. And I want to I say this really quick because I had it in Ephesians, and it says it in Exodus 20. It says it several times in the Bible. But this is the very first command that the Lord gave us with a promise. Remember how he started out in the covenant, and then there are commands and promises that he meets? Well, in order to get the promise that God wants, who wants their children to live a long life? Who wants to have and live a long life? Amen. Well, it starts with this because this is the command. Children, obey your parents because, because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that was written in the Bible. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. So, if you want your children to have a long life, if you want to have a long life, you have to obey your parents. That's the command. You have to obey and you have to honor. Now, once you're outside of your parents, now you have to still honor them because it's who God gave you as parents. Even if they didn't do what was right in the sight of the Lord, you honor them, you respect them. But you can change things for your generation. But for you that have kids, if you can teach them how to honor and obey you, they're going to have a long life. And give you and be given land. And it says they'll have a long life with the land I give them. The Lord will give your children land. He'll prosper them. He'll make sure that they have more than enough. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, Missy had a dream two nights ago. And in the or last night or the night before. And in the dream, she saw Blade and Paige both having car accidents. Involved in a car accident, right? So you wake up in the morning and you're disturbed, right? Because you've had this dream and your kids are dying. That's no, that's no fun to wake up from a dream like that, right? Well, then she reads the scripture and it says, Honor your mother and father and you'll have a long and satisfying life, right? So now she has this bad dream, but she's got a word to stand on. Are you with me? So when you, when you have feelings or you have thoughts that are going through you that you know are not from God... How do you deal with your emotions and how do you deal with your thoughts? If you have a scripture with promise and you see your kids are living according to that, then you can have confidence that God's protecting your children instead of you getting into fear and torment about something. Yeah, and it's kind of crazy because this is something that I fear all the time. Anytime there's a car accident, I'm like, okay, let me check where the kids are. I get my phone out and I track them and I'm like, okay, where are they? Oh, I see you're on 95. Or did Calling. you pass this? And I... And I and I constantly am doing that. It's like a fear when your kids are driving or that life is so good that, my, that something's going to happen. And God forbid that one of the children die before me, you know? So it's just this fear that's been in there. And I'm like, God, I know that fear is not of you. That is not your fear. So I'm reading this. So I have this dream this week, which is crazy because it's a real fear of mine. And then I'm reading. It's like the God already knew I was going to read this. It's like he was setting me up because he knew that I was going to read this scripture. So when I read this scripture, they'll have a long life. The Lord promises that if you obey and honor your parents, you will have a long life. And I was like, man, my children honor us and they obey us for the most part. They do. And, you know, I was like, they're going to have long lives. Why am I fearing that they're going to get into some crazy car accident and die before me? They're going to have a long life because it's the promise that God has. And his word will not return void. So when you get the word of God, the Bible says that God is love, that God and his word are one. So here God gives my wife a dream. It exposes her fear in the dream, and then God gives her a word to deliver her from the fear. Amen. Amen. It's powerful, right? So family, the word of God is powerful in changing how we think. The, the word of God is powerful to deliver us from our fears, Right? In this place today, if, do we have parents that are fearful and fretful over their children dying and getting into accidents? We want to pray with you today. Or making the wrong choices. So we're going to pray for you guys today. Amen? Amen. We're going to get you set free from that today. Amen? Amen. And then um, today too, before we close, um, men, I want to pray over you. If you would all stand up for us today. We're going to pray over our men. Man, would you come forward? Would you come stand up here with me? And we're going to pray over our men. 
And I want to thank every man that came to the house of the Lord today on Father's yes. Day. Come there are on, so man. many other places that you guys could have been and could have been doing and treated yourself. But you came to the house of the Lord because you know what you carry. If you, um, if you guys, uh, yeah, I'd like to get you all in one row if we can. Look at this. We've got some men up in the house. Are you guys ready? Just open your hands to God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our men. I thank you for these mighty men. They're in your house on Father's Day, God. And Father, they've come to honor you. They've come leading their families, Lord God. Father, they've come and they're standing here to learn and to grow and to become men of God. And Heavenly Father, I thank you today for these men, for the decision that they've made to honor you and to put you first, Lord God. And Father, today, even as I lay my hands on them, I thank you for your blessing upon their lives, Lord. I thank you that you give them courage, that you give them wisdom. Father, that you speak to them, that you show them how to be leaders in the home. You show them, Lord, the steps that they need to take. You, you give them strategies and you give them wisdom, Lord God. Father, I thank you that these men are prosperous, that they lack nothing, Lord God, that resources come into their hands, yeah, Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that have children in their households, that you are teaching them how to be a good father and how to give good gifts to their children, Lord God. And Heavenly Father, I thank you that they are courageous and they're strong, Lord God. And Father, I thank you that they know you, that they hear your voice. And Father, I bless these men today with peace. I bless these men with joy. I bless these men with your favor today, Lord God. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fall afresh yes, on our men, that you would fill them, God, yes. and that you would touch them today. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would show them your goodness, yes. that you would reveal your character and your nature to them, Lord God. I pray that they would have a book of Acts experiences, God, that they would have the same experience that Israel had at the Mount, Mount Sinai, where they saw you, where they encountered you, God. I thank you that these men know you and are led by your spirit, Heavenly Father. I break every fear of failure. I break every name that they've been called. I break off everything of the old nature today, Heavenly Father, where they have made mistakes, where they've, been, where they've failed, and they know they've failed and made mistakes, but the enemy is still condemning them and beating them. I break that off their lives today in the mighty name of Jesus. And I thank you, God, that they're able to rise up out of everything that life has thrown at them. Whatever tra tragedy or thing has hit their households, Lord God, I thank you that you give them the grace to overcome, that they build back, God, that they overtake, they recover all that has been stolen, Lord God. I call these men prosperous and successful in all that they set their hand to, Lord God. And I thank you, God, that you're with them, that you'll never leave them nor forsake them. And I trust you with their lives. Protect them, their households, and their families, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. I'm just so glad to be a part of the family. No matter what you're going through, I got you and you got me too. What's up with the family? Got your heart.